Hey, it's Thursday and we made it. Welcome to the sound of black and brown. So today I'm going to be talking about something that's particularly um, sensitive to some, but too much of a reality for so many, and that is white toxicity. So sit with me and be on this journey and you can either be enlightened or you could be insulted. But just know that when black and brown people speak in their truth, that should not be discouraged. If anything, it should be welcomed. Why? Because capitalism is successful when empathy is low. CJ here, and we're about to talk about white toxicity and how dangerous it is from the streets to the law books. So while we appreciate solidarity, Don't get me wrong. Solidarity is a beautiful thing. It becomes a problem when it becomes really um, discreet or subliminal racism and white supremacy. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is there are people who will use their privilege to empower the less fortunate and try to help out. But there are some people who use that as leverage to be toxic, believe it or not. And right now we have a little problem that's brewing and it's getting worse and worse. And once this takes form, it's up to those around it to stop it. So we could either watch it and say, oh, wow, look at that. Huh. Or we could say, not today, Satan. For myself, I'm not a fan of white supremacy, nor am I a fan of anyone who infiltrates a movement with the goal of destruction and demise. You know, I don't think any of us should be fans of that. But sometimes unknowingly, we might tolerate what we don't recognize. We might, you know, normalize something that really should not be regular without really understanding why. And not even probably recognizing that the whole reason why, you know, we were enthralled was because just like Christopher Columbus was able to use white lies to conquer very innocent people and teach the world how to enslave, torture, and kill black and brown people, you know, that is still rampant today. And it comes in many shapes and forms. And I think that most of us, due to the media, have been programmed to think that white supremacy no longer exists or it's not as bad you know, we're progressive in Connecticut. And the truth is, we're <laughs> there's so much work to be done here. You see, in the Northeast, white supremacy was normalized. And so in comparison to the South, where there's very clear lines of black and white, literally, you could tell the racists from those who are fighting racism. It's very clear. In the Northeast, um, it's more subliminal. And it comes in very discreet, normalized ways. It comes by ways of sudden bad reviews. Suddenly, you know, your work is being used as an example. Suddenly, you know, you're so aggressive, your tone, you're this, you're that. Because whomever is spreading the white lies is threatened by you. That's why they do it. You know, they won't they won't go as far as to defend their foolishness if not feeling threatened by what you're about to expose. Please know that. Please really, really know that. Because here's the thing. Am I saying that 
there are not white people who want to empower and support black and brown people and indigenous people and Asian and all of us. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there are people who pretend to be allies, but are really our accomplices in white supremacy. Now, by this time, you know, you might think that I'm just saying this because I'm an angry black immigrant woman, which you're right. I am. That is true. And you might want to troll me. You might want to gaslight and gatekeep me. All of those things have happened and happened to me anyway. So that's nothing new. You know, this country is a funny place because in this country, when a black or brown or non-white person, I should say, speak up and out against things, they are the ones who are chastised. They are the ones who are, you know, discredited, defamed, treated badly. That's how that goes. You know, we're supposed to sit here and just say, oh, wow, look at you all being progressive and be happy with it. We're not supposed to push back and say, well, what does diversity, equity, and inclusivity mean to you? We're not supposed to try to make things equitable. We're supposed to do it with an equality focus. Do as I say to the level I say. That's how it goes. And a big misperception is that this type of racist, subliminally racist behavior happens at the more corporate level, um, not so much in the nonprofit level, more in the profit side, the public side, you would never think, or most, I should say, would not think that there'd be racism within the movement. And to them, I say, clearly, you ignored or did not know what would happen with the Black Panthers. So join me if you shall. You know, um, I'm going to take in a little journey here, and I really do appreciate all who tune into this podcast and support it because. I know what I'm saying is not acceptable by a lot of people. You know, I've been told by some of my own black and brown people, you know, you just need to deal with it differently. So while they're okay with normalizing it and dealing with it in their way, I'm asking for the same respect and dealing with it in my way. Because, you know, from where I sit, I think that in 2023, in one of the biggest countries and allegedly most diverse in the world, we should have more white people willing and more black and brown people willing to stand down and stand down on white toxicity because it is very, very dangerous. It is extremely dangerous. Let me give you an example. So, and this is one that's happening right here, right now. And quite frankly, if those involved decide to, um, you know, revoke or recant or whatever they decide they think they need to do, by what I am saying, you could do that, but you cannot change the impact of white supremacy because once you entertain the supremacist and once you allow that type of toxicity in your space, you have now become an accomplice, whether you see that or not. So then the next move for you should be, how do we correct this? Let me tell you, um, you know, how real this is. I actually know of an organization that for years and years has done such great work um, to build up their community. And, you know, very good people, you know, the, the members, the leaders, all of that, very good people. They're, they're about the right things, I thought. And so I, you know, had a lot of respect and I participated in all these things. 
and you know this white person who had you know participated in events in the past they had disappeared for a while and then they came back and when they came back they were different you could feel it you could sense it they still had that darkness about them but you know me being the west indian i you know i was immediately labeled as being the least likely to be supportive because how dare i not fall under the spell of the white trans person who is very open about being white and superior and they will talk like that and they will act like that um but they don't like it when you call it out so even though i had been with this group for many many years and while i in my opinion assumed that i had this type of rapport with everybody that we were brothers and sisters and we were all doing this for a great cause i thought i had value at the table and in my wildest wildest dreams i did not expect or think that i would have to defend myself or prove why somebody is being racist and what makes it even more appalling is why and the why is because said white person um you know they have money they have resource access to resources they have drugs and they will blackmail you so here i come pointing out things that they're doing that's toxic and trying to prevent it because i come from a background you know my culture where we say you know prevention is cheaper than cure so i say that to say you know we have the thought process if i could prevent this from exploding let me try so with that in mind i tried to talk to one of the leaders of the group and you know i underestimated my opponent a little bit because by that time they had already um labeled me as the homophobic west indian who is going to complain about them because you know they're trying so hard to build up a movement and she doesn't like me they already laid out that groundwork and so what will happen is is that even though i didn't want to even though it hurt even though you know i couldn't believe it because there's all these different feelings right because remember we're in the midst of covid and i'm here doing all this grassroots organizing with a group of people who i consider to be my brethren and here comes this white supremacist ease their way into the group you know and one by one they start destroying things we start seeing friendships breaking up we start seeing a lot of drama a lot of toxicity and in my mind i'm like okay this was not happening before what what is causing this so when i take a closer look at it and i start to really you know take it in i start to notice that this toxic white person they're very um strategic with how they do things because really what they were doing they were segregating internally what do i mean by that they started picking certain members of the group to hang out with and share their white tears and white pain you know and they were very very cunning in doing this and so over time what that would do it would create friction within the group and people who were friends started fighting amongst each other all the while they're doing this they're also selling drugs um you know while at rallies and events then they started sending pictures of themselves to people and they would claim that they are operating as someone who's trying to help the movement you know i'm going to go hang out with this group over here and i'm going to find out what they're doing a lot of toxic fucking behavior man 
lots of toxic behavior. So me seeing all of this, I'm like, I can't do this. This is this is not making sense. Like, we don't need a white person to spy on other groups. What what, what nonsense is that? Right. And why are we entertaining it? This white toxic person also growled at me. They um, burped in my face. They farted near me. They harassed and continually provoked a black man who's not only a veteran, but has PTSD amongst other possible mental ailments that come from serving. And they targeted us one by one, right? Now, what's amazing is I'm sitting here holding on to hope because I'm like, wait a minute. I know these people. These are my people, you know. We've done all these rallies together. We've done all these actions together. You know, um, why wouldn't they why wouldn't they believe me? Why would it be a problem? And believe it or not, <laughs> using the oppressor's favorite tools, sex, blackmail, drugs, and money, this white supremacist was able to infiltrate. Now, let me also say this. I have a lot of friends uh, from various, I actually have friends. Let's just start there. <laughs> believe, it, believe it or not, I actually have friends. And wouldn't you know, I have white friends, I have black friends. You know, I really do, believe it or not. And every now and again, just to tell you, <laughs> they entertain me by taking pictures with me. You know, look, look at that. They're even willing to be in my pictures. So I can't be that, that, that bad, right? I don't know. You know, some people, you know, like this person really is trying to paint a picture of me to suit their fancy. But anywho's, you know, this individual successfully infiltrated this group and attempted to attack my friends, you know, and one by one, they kept doing these things. And, you know, my friends got to the point where they were like, look, sister, you got to make a decision here. You could either continue to put up with this foolishness or you could confront it. And I tried to do it the polite way. I tried to have the conversation with the fellow organizer, but they wouldn't listen because using the oppressor's favorite tools, sex, drugs, blackmail, and money, this white trans person was able to be as nasty and vile as they wanted to be without apology. And I'm telling you, I'm very creative, but I can't make this shit up. This white person will show up. One of the things I used to do was help with food distribution. Not only would they show up sometimes with like black shit under their fingernails, which was gross, but they would complain about my Jamaican friend receiving food. Now, the other people receiving the food, who it turns out they're Latino, they never said anything. But this white person planted the seed because let me tell you something, my friends. White lies, when repeated, become truth. So the more you entertain it, the more life it gets. And that's what happened in this instance. This person kept telling white lie after white lie after white lie. And, you know, they built up their power that way. And, you know, in truth, I'm not a hard person for a white toxic person to blaspheme because I'm black, I'm angry, I'm an immigrant, and I'm a woman. So I'm also West Indian. Yes, I'm West Indian. Let's not forget that because their main tool was to say that I'm a homophobic West Indian. So by them painting that image and carefully planting that right there, I became the enemy in my own camp. This is a true story. 
So now I have people who I thought, um, you know, I thought these were my friends. I thought these were my comrades. We went through so many things. We did so many great things together. Now I'm having to defend myself. Now I'm having to, you know, figure out like, what the, what do I do? Right. And then all of this while protecting my fellow black and brown people who are being impacted by this nonsense. Short version of the long story. After many attempts, I finally got tired and this would happen right before a major annual event when um, I was confronted by the group leader and I could tell from his reaction that he bought into the bullshit. Now, preceding this interaction, um, I showed up like I normally would to help make signs and everything. And the toxic white person was already there. They, you know, the leader wasn't, but they were there and there were like a few other white people there and one other Latino person. And so when I show up, I try to avoid them and I go in my own space. Mind you, I'm not interacting with them at all. They decide to call the group leader and blatantly lie. And they made it seem as if I came in there and I created this big commotion, which I did not. I didn't do any of that. I, I literally came in ready to make signs. I had a bottle of whiskey and I figured we could just chill, laugh and do what we do, right? But this toxic white person had another plan. They turned that into something negative. They made it sound as if, and, and you know, in my opinion, um, when I look back and even at the moment, they would not have been successful in doing that had they not already planted the seed. So basically what they did is they made it sound completely different to what I just said. They made it sound like I came in there guns blazing, yelling, being nasty, being mean, none of that happened. I was quiet as a mouse. I didn't even say more than five words, to be quite frank. And they call the group leader, who's a brown person, and they tell him all the bullshit that they know he'll buy. He shows up, and then he wants to know, why am I there? Why did I show up then? Because they were getting all this work done. And that's when I realized, you bought the fuckery. So now, even though I had been working on this event and doing all these things to help it get going, for for you know for weeks now you know even though i told him that this you know toxic white person had growled at me had you know burped in my face farted in my presence threatened my friends kept picking uh fights with my friends the dumbest fights he could ever think of it was so stupid you know but they were doing it to aggravate us and it didn't matter if we ignore them their goal was to get us gone they wanted us completely out of the group they did not care, and they made up as many white lies as they needed to. Now, while they're doing this, they're also admitting um, to having sexual relations with a minor, which, you know, they defended by saying, well, you know, I think 14-year-olds should have sex. You know, they thought that was cool. I clearly do not, um, and I'm going to stand by that because I think that sounds very inappropriate and seems very inappropriate. Right. And I shouldn't have apologized for that either, just so you know. But aside from that. Right. They would do things like use the bathroom with the door open. You see kids running around. Why would you do that? You're, you're supposed to be an adult or they would take their shirt up to show everybody they had top surgery. Right. Now, when I would call these things out, what I was hit with time and time again is 
oh, CJ, you're so insensitive, you know their gender, you know, I think you're being um, insensitive, I think you need to get training, I think you need to do this, I think you need to do that, you need to be nice, you need to be this. Mind you, I'm witnessing the toxicity, now I'm experiencing it firsthand, right? What is a black person supposed to do when that happens? I'll tell you what tends to happen, so let me flip it now. Now, that's the story of my experience. In community, right, on a bigger scale, that sounded disgusting. It should, because it was. But it's not that rare. Because, you see, while this person was being targeted with their animosity and their subliminal racism toward the black and the West Indian community in particular, because that's who they targeted. Once you're black and West Indian, or both, you're a target to them. That They don't want you around for reasons I don't care about, because... Why should I care about your reasons for being racist? Fuck you too. But the point is, you know, on a larger scale, look at what Donald Trump was able to do by encouraging racist white power behavior. And here in Connecticut, there seems to be this misperception that racism doesn't happen out here. There seems to be this thought that, you know, because we're in Connecticut, we're supposedly so progressive you know this is the northeast we're progressive we care about people that is bullshit that is bullshit if anything it's subliminal right connecticut on its own has a history of racist antics including you know rallies that were held here you know meetings all kinds of things even people supporting trump a big old trump rally all of that shit happened out here in connecticut Right. But here in Connecticut, we act like it doesn't. It happens on the job when you see that black and brown people tend to have a lesser tenure. They're always being targeted on the job. You know, in Connecticut, we have a lot of black and brown people who have, you know, work history that is, you know, there's a lot of different jobs up there. Why? Because they probably went to work somewhere, you know, and had to deal with a racist. And that never ends well. Because you see, you get provoked and provoked and provoked till you end up reacting. And not all of us have the support or, should I say, the mental capacity at that point to keep it in. That's how it goes, man, right? We have to deal with watching people call out for their mother while they're being, you know, beaten by the police. I know you want to come harass me on the job and I'm supposed to hold it with a friggin' smile. You call me out whenever I show up three minutes late. You make sure I come back to the dot from my lunch. God forbid it's a minute over. The whole building will fall down. Use the work as an example of bad work, right? Tell all your friends about me so I can't get a job. You know, the gatekeeping and gaslighting out here is how they keep the racism normal. That's how they do it. You know, they make it part of the culture, right? So by doing that, what will happen is, you know, once you make the racist behavior part of the culture you have now created what um they call subliminal racism right which means that don't expect to get a good um you know performance review because why would they give you one it's just the same thing as slavery really but it's done in a way that you feel tormented to the point that you come home and you drink and probably get mad at the whole wide world you get threatened and you get told that if I don't, you know, you got to work these hours or we're going to have to really rethink your job. You know, you don't get supported when you try to start your own move or business or anything like that. You know, you're, you're given the impression that all black people 
and brown people are violent and not victims of a system that was created to keep them back. That's how subliminal racism works out here in the Northeast. They make you think, well, we gave you all of this. Why aren't you happy now, slaves? You know, that's how it goes, you know, and they control everything. Because what did I say? Sex, blackmail, money, and drugs. Oppressors love to use that, right? They love to do it. Like right now, right, we have a big-ass housing crisis happening, and it's going to be the fault of the black and brown people. You wait and see. Buy some popcorn. Because they're going to blame us for the crime rate, see? You have to remember, poverty is intentional, and so is the crime, okay? It is very, very intentional. It's done to maintain the system of white supremacy. See that labeling? See how I shared what happened to me, how this white supremacist was able to enter a group and, you know, basically take over what should be a brown-led group that was evolving and even becoming even bigger. This person just come right in there targets me because I'm I'm up on the chain, at least I thought I was. But didn't they do the same thing to the Black Panthers? Yes, of course. When they see, when white power sees black and brown power building, they cannot take it. So they break it. They break it. And they, you do it in ways that some of us pay attention to and some of us ignore, right? They they do it in a very subliminal way. We see them do it all the time. Look at what happened to Colin Kaepernick when he said, fuck the NFL, fuck me sitting here, busting my ass and doing all this, and you all still don't pay us, and you still don't treat us well. And look at what happened to him. The man was chastised. And I'm not saying I am Colin Kaepernick, but I could tell you with the experience I had, you know, with dealing with a white supremacist who infiltrated a brown-led group, I feel the pain. And let me also share, this white supremacist didn't just end with insulting me and gatekeeping and gaslighting me. I've had nails in my tire. Very questionable things have happened. Police show up at my door. This person has also, you know, they didn't limit it to me either. They have a very clear issue with anybody who's black and West Indian, right? It's very, very clear. I don't know what it is, and I don't give a fuck. But what I need you to do is to cut it the fuck out. And I need people to silence the white noise. You got to silence it. It will only keep getting power the more you let it go on. This individual who I'm referring to lives um, in the hood, and they're very proud of that. You know, they feel like they should get a medal or some shit. But they're a slumlord. So in their backyard, they have all kinds of random shit. And when their neighbor, who happens to be an Afro-West Indian, confronted them, their response was, this is my house, these are my things, and this is what I will do. Now, you tell me in what planet should somebody like that be even holding a friggin' banner at a black or brown-led march? Tell me. But here in New Haven, because we're so used to the racism and because it's so ingrained in our culture, we allow it and we give it life. We give it life. We let it go on and on. And what we do is, instead of challenging and dealing with that, right, we allow that individual, the racist, to be the victim, and we get mad at each other, right? People say it to me all the time. Well, I shouldn't say it like that because, again, I don't talk to people all the time. But people say it often enough that why don't more black people and brown people vote in Connecticut? Well, why would I? When I see white lies all around me, 
But we don't think about that. We don't think about that. We don't think about how white lies impact people. We don't think about how people feel when they see different movements and causes, and but they don't see people who look like them. We don't think about how people feel when, you know, we know that our children, our black and brown children, have been impacted mentally and socially by COVID, right? But we don't care enough to say maybe we should change the way that teachers are certified so more black and brown people can actually become teachers. And we could rebuild that communication between children and students and teachers and we could actually start to break down the school to prison pipeline. But look at what we'll be breaking down, my friends. If we do what I just said, guess what we'll be destroying? The school to prison pipeline. There's a reason why you see so many white-led nonprofits. Because again, white saviorism gets glorified out here. Capitalism gets its power from the lack of empathy. And it gets its boost by the lack of representation. Let that sink in. Listen to what I just said. Capitalism gets its power from the lack of empathy, but it gets a nice boost from the lack of representation. And we should know that by what we see going on around us right now. You would swear black and brown communities were not impacted by COVID. I mean, I don't know about you, but I turn on the TV and I'm like, well, damn. Are y'all going to talk about what's happening to us? But wait a minute. It doesn't stop there. They also act like we're not affected by the housing crisis. You know why? Because we should be grateful. We got Section 8. Okay? Now, you see, you have to ask yourself, is a white person an ally if they used my need against me? My answer is no. Absolutely not. If you're going to say, well, we have these resources that you all keep using, so we don't know why you all aren't in order, we don't know why you all have the problems you do, then let's talk about why many of our states, including Connecticut, tend to put a lot of money into policing, right? Imagine if that same amount of money was put into healthcare, food and housing and jobs. I want you to do your own research. I want you to look into the Department of Labor, both on your local level and on the federal level. And I want you to go do your own research, however you choose to do it. I mean, of course, it has to be credible research. Hint, hint, just go on the website. And I want you to look at their budget. Take it in. Take it in. Spend a minute. Drink some tea or a beer. Do what you need to do, but take it in. Now, once you've taken that in, I want you to slide over to the police department and department of corrections both local and federal and look at that budget take that in and then i want you to go back now and look at the local and federal education budget take it in and then start to ask questions because if we have money for wars our dear friend tupac would say why can't we feed the poor we know that America loves violence. I mean, we have had 200 mass shootings so far in 2023. And for those of us who aren't quick with the math, right, I mean, that's more days than we've had in the year so far. 
but they have already set it up where they're going to blame the black and brown people for this. We know this by the media. You notice there's a lot of coverage about the local crime. Now, don't come for me. I didn't say that there's no, um, you know, other factors there. I didn't say there's not local crime. I'm not saying that we don't have, you know, problems with crime in neighborhoods. Of course we do. But you have to follow the chain of poverty. Where did it come from? Who gave them the guns? Who put the drugs there? Who made it so that you would fail? Who makes sure that, you know, the school buses are barely workable? Who makes sure that, you know, there's more students than teachers? Who makes sure that there's liquor stores probably within feet of each other in, um, you know, the, the urban neighborhoods, the hood? Let's just say the hood. Who does that? Right. And then when they're done doing all of that, they'll go build a nice nonprofit, put a bunch of white people to run it and say, well, this one has this expertise and that one has that expertise. That's why we hired them. And then when the people complain and they, they get up and they stand up and they say this shit needs to stop, what do you do? You make it into a study. Like here in Connecticut, would you believe we have homeless black and brown people in Connecticut? We wouldn't know that by turning on the news because, you know, you don't get to see them. Even at the rallies, because of the plant that I described as I started, right, here in Connecticut, we're starting to notice that a lot of our rallies are becoming whitewashed. You don't see the black and brown people. Why will we show up? We show up to the rallies and the police are there too, but they're not looking at you. They're looking at me. And I, all I did was show up. I didn't do nothing. The same toxic white person I was talking about at the beginning recently showed up to a rally that was allegedly about workers' rights, racism, and, you know, other things, segregation. Not only did they throw smoke bombs without even letting the people participating in the rally know that they were going to do that. But they yelled at the black and brown children for, you know, for being a little loud. And then they yelled at the, the crowd because they wanted to speak. Does that sound like an ally to you? That don't sound like an ally to me. That sounds like somebody sent with a mission. My friends, we need to pay attention. The movement is under attack. And for those of you who think that's not plausible or I sound like I'm batshit crazy, I invite you to do your own research into what happened with the Black Panthers. Go do it. Watch what they did. It's the same, same, same thing. I use a lot of sames there, I know. But that was for emphasis. My point is, if I am to call myself a community organizer and call out white supremacy in the government, in all these different institutions, I cannot ignore it when it's happening in my backyard, meaning in the movement. And I cannot ignore it when I see it destroying lives. Okay? And that's what's happening right now. This toxicity is destroying lives. White toxicity was used to validate and justify the horrific beating of Rodney King. White toxicity is used to justify and validate the horrible treatment of our incarcerated brothers and sisters. White toxicity is used to justify, certify, and validate the imprisonment and detention of a lot of our black and brown sisters. In fact, right now as we speak, um, Title 42 is about to expire, and white toxicity is going to be used to validate why people should be deported and detained. Okay? Y'all, some of y'all really think that slavery ended, my friends. I'm here to bust that bubble wide open and tell you it just got revised. And depending on what side of America you're at, 
you'll see a different version of racism. And what we here in the Northeast really need to understand, especially in Connecticut, is out here we have normalized toxic whiteness. We made it okay. We made it okay for white people to take on black and brown causes, represent them, and do it for the sake of diversity. That's bullshit. How are you going to talk about diversity in, in an area that I am in? But tell me I'm not qualified. Say that's what they tell you when you go to apply for these jobs. My fellow black and brown uh -huh, people, when you go to apply for these jobs that you really should have and you wonder why didn't they pick me? See, when you checked off that box black or Hispanic, that was problem number one. Right. Because I have seen it. I have worked amongst people who have way less qualifications than me. But they got the job because of who they knew and because they seemed charming. We get the job because we had all these different degrees and accolades that, you know, we spent a lot of money on that we'll never get back. That's how it works. But why do we let it keep going? Now, just because I'm saying that we have to silence white noise, because that's what toxic whiteness is. It's white noise. That does not mean we do not have white allies. Don't get me wrong. I myself... I have several friends who are white allies, and they're good friends of mine. And actually, they're the ones who complain um, a lot about the white toxicity because they're pissed off about it too, believe it or not. Did you know that? Did you know that there are white people who do not like white toxic shit? And actually, did you even know that there are white people who hate it when not only is a white person toxic, but they hide behind their gender identity doing it? My friends, we have enough black and brown LGBTQ plus people, specifically the trans people who are attacked, harassed, killed on a daily basis. So when a white person chooses to be toxic and hide behind their gender as a trans person, I just think you're just comfortable exploiting the movement. Because at that point, you don't give a fuck. You're like, listen, I'm going to be toxic and I'm going to fuck everything up. And you're not going to stop me. And I'm going to get support from your own people doing it. Because that's what they do. They get support from your own. Look at Donald Trump. Right? Donald Trump has black and brown people who support them. Now, I'm not a fan of bipartisanism. And I'll tell you why. Because this country's alleged democracy was actually started by um, Republicans. You know, we had the Republican Party first. And then came the Democrats. So it's kind of like how Jesus, you know, what they said in the Bible, I said Jesus. What they said in the Bible, you know, God took that um, rib out of Adam and made Eve. That's kind of like what happened with the Democrats. I actually think that we need to move beyond that. But just bear in mind, remember, don't forget, just in case you decide to come for me for what I just said, let me just remind you. I'm a black, angry, immigrant, single mother. Um, even though I should have freedom of speech and expression, guns have more rights and privileged than me, right? And to the extent that even when I speak up against racism, I get browbeaten by people. Oh no, they're they're trans. They can't be racist. What's wrong with you? Yes, they can. They absolutely, absolutely, absolutely can. And if you're not willing to shut it down, then you're part of the problem. Like I was saying, Donald Trump has black and brown followers. How was he able to get Kanye West on his side? How was he able to do that? Right. And some argue, well, you know, he did it because, the, you know, the Democrats are trash. But that was the wrong thing, man. You know what we should have done and we should do because it's not past tense. It's present tense. We should actually form our own party. Fuck it. 
Why does it have to be a two-party system? Because they say so. Why do I have to use certain words? Why the fuck do I have to show up in a meeting? And I mean, at this point, I might as well pull out my birth certificate because each time I show up in a meeting, um, you know, the intros get more and more detail. You know, the only thing you're not telling me to do is pull out my license and registration. Why? Because white people find that to be okay. So, okay, so white people are comfortable with gender identity. That's fine. Perfectly fine. So just because they're comfortable with it, I should be comfortable with toxic white trans people. I don't think so. And neither should you. Because when you fall into these things and you allow it to become, you know, a thing and it gains power, guess who is getting held back? You and me. How you think they're able to come into our hoods and arrest us all? I found out recently that the same toxic white person that I had to deal with is still doing something that I thought by now they would have stopped. They sit right in their house and they call the police on black and brown people. How do they do it? Well, this person has a fascination with guns. Big surprise. I mean, I don't know about you, but this person checks off all the boxes for a white supremacist. I don't know how people can't see it. I mean, even Ray Charles could see it. But anyway, what they'll do is, is sit in their house. By the way, their house is dilapidated. It looks like a crack house. You would not think people are living in there. I mean, it's not that. Well, yeah, it's that bad. You know, you see a bunch of shit in the backyard and shit. Now, this is their house, right? Their house alone is affecting the property value of all the other homeowners in the neighborhood, most of whom on that street, if not all, for the exception of this white asshole, are black and brown people, specifically West Indian. And this asshole sits in their house and they'll throw firecrackers out. So now NHPD will show up, what's going on here, and start harassing people. And when they're not doing that, if they hear people playing their music, you know how West Indians do in the summer. You all say summer, we say August because we never recognize those things back home. But anyway, when we have in our little cookout and thing in, in the summertime, the same white asshole will call the police on them. And then when they're done doing all that, they show up to rallies and hold signs yelling out Black Lives Matter. How you like that? Now, if you allow the hypocrisy and if you entertain it, you're only going to give it life, right? Again, white lies told more than once become truth. And if everything I just said sounds crazy, what? What is she talking about? Then you need to go do your research on Christopher Columbus because this follows the same playbook. Let me tell you something. White supremacists don't do anything different, you know. They really don't. They just revise it up a little bit. They make it normal. They, they browbeat you till you normalize it. That's what Christopher Columbus did. That's what they did. And if you think it sounds cliche or weird or strange for me to say that a white person would intentionally infiltrate a black or brown led group with the purpose of taking it down, then you must not know what happened with the Panthers and other social justice groups led by black and brown and non-white people. This is what they do. Now, see, right here in my community, one of the other repercussions of this white toxicity is that people aren't showing up to rallies and events now. Because, you see, why would I show up if there's a toxic white person selling drugs and doing all kinds of bad things, but then they use their gender as a defense? Why would I show up for that? Why would I put myself at risk? Because guess what? When the police reach, they're not arresting them. They're arresting me. They come in looking for me. They're doing the fuckery. 
but I'm getting blamed. Why? Because that is what America looks like. And don't think that it's any different now. My friends, it's even worse right now. It's worse. And we need to do something. You see, here's the thing. They know we mad, you know. They know we mad. They know that we still recovering from watching what happened to George Floyd during COVID. They know that we sat there watching our brothers and sisters work at fast food outlets, long hours, not even being paid livable wages. They, they know that we're mad that a lot of us have been illegally evicted or imprisoned or harassed by police. They know it. They know it. So they're going to try to control our anger. And what's a better way to do that than to disenfranchise the movement? So when you allow that to happen, guess what you're doing? You're playing right into the hands of the oppressor. My friends, we need to protect our black and brown people, especially our women. Our women are under attack. I could attest to that. Like I said, this individual left nails in my tires. They they blasphemed my reputation everywhere. I Listen, I'm a straight up person. That's just me. I figure if I'm going to call out for transparency, why wouldn't I be that way on a real level? But then again, when I go to sleep, I could sleep in peace because I, I am who I am. No apologies. I shouldn't have to apologize. And I shouldn't have to worry about how I express myself when I express myself because I should have freedom of speech. But the truth is, is that I've had to deal with being gaslit, gatekept, lies, accusation, labeled, all of it, all of it. Because rather than defend the black woman, we believe the white lies because that's what the culture has become out here in the Northeast. Now, see, here's what I appreciate about the South. With the South, the Southern people tell you straight up, don't hang out over there. That's where them races be at. And they will stand up in solidarity with their fellow black or brown sister who is, you know, part of a social justice movement. And they will defend them and protect them. But out here, you sneeze too hard and the white people, the toxic white person don't like it. You now become the enemy. What's wrong with that picture and why are they doing it? Well, to find the answer to that question and to, to really, really appreciate what I just said, do some more reading. Go look back at what happened with the Underground Railroad. Again, my friends, when they sense the power, when they think that we're about to rise up, when they feel threatened by our work, they will destroy it. They will do it. And here's the thing that COVID did. COVID shed light on many, many inequities in housing, jobs, finances, you name it, it showed it, right? But most of all, it shed a big light on what white power looks like. I don't know about you, but I remember when COVID first got announced and those white people ran you couldn't stop them. They they made sure they were okay. They paid whatever money they needed to pay. They did whatever they needed to do to save themselves. You ever notice like in movies where the world is about to end, it always comes down to the white people being saved? Most times. I mean, you'll have a token here and there. Now, let me be fair. Shout out to LL Cool J. But, you know, mostly it will be the white people fighting to get saved. So even if it's like a movie about a ship, 
that gets attacked by a meteorite, you'll see like slowly but surely all the black and brown characters will get killed off. The white people always are the ones who are seeking the answer and they're trying to survive. That's conditioning. That's grooming. Right. Some will say it was just a good movie, but that's not true. All right. Look at look at enough movies like and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see it because you see, they don't want to tell the truth about who's really fighting for survival. They don't want you to know that they're intelligent, black and brown people and they're not batshit crazy. They're just speaking a truth that stings white supremacy. So what you going to do about it? Are you going to let it continue? I mean, it's 2023. We've had 200 mass shootings so far, more than the days in the year. Black and brown people are still being attacked by police. And now we have white liberals and white trans, toxic white liberals and toxic white trans people infiltrating the movement and destroying it. Are you going to sit down and take it? Are you going to get up and stand up? Here's what I know. White toxicity is very, very dangerous from the streets to the law books. And if you don't think it plays out that way, you might need to come out your bubble. If what I just said made you angry and you're starting to validate it, you might need to re-educate yourself. I'm speaking my truth. Don't get mad at me if you believed white lies. If we're really about diversity, inclusivity, and equity, part of that is learning. And for some of us, it's relearning. If you're tired of this culture, this racist culture, then stop normalizing white supremacy and silence the white noise. That's all I have for now. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you continue to tune in 